0: hello and welcome to another episode of the book baby spotlight podcast your home for interviews with authors illustrators editors and other industry insiders from the world of self-publishing i'm your host sam sedan joined by my co-host jasmine Gale. hey folks and joining us later today will be book baby author dr denisha keating she's published her diary as a personal memoir from foster to phd jasmine are you ready to publish your diary yet I don't think I can handle hundreds of people reading my most private thoughts.
1: But then again, I'm a writer and I enjoy when others do that with their books. I also heard
0: that you made a book baby book, though. I did. Yeah. So don't rush out to buy it. All I did was a single copy of a mostly blank journal for my niece's birthday. Oh, nice. Did you design the cover? I did. Yeah. Despite my limited knowledge of InDesign, uh, I had to go over uh, some of our documentation as well to learn how to use our template. But the cover is pretty simple. Uh, Her middle name is Rose. So I put a clip art outline and then filled that with red and the stem with green. The rest of the cover is black matte with her name in red. So I think it really came out well. Yeah. Having
1: a place to put her own thoughts on paper. I bet she loved it.
0: She did. She loves writing and I'm trying to encourage her to keep that up. And uh, only 11 now, but maybe we'll publish one of her books sooner rather than later.
1: Awesome. I love it. And you said you used our templates. Did
0: you buy templating services? I did not. Uh, I did get a little bit frustrated trying to get the layers right due to my uh, lack of knowledge of InDesign. But uh, we luckily have so many different videos and documentation. Uh, I wanted to go through the process like a client to really understand that and how that worked. I even failed pre-press once uh, because I accidentally used the soft cover template uh, when it should have been hard cover. Got that convenient fail note from pre-press that our clients may be familiar with, but luckily I was able to get that resolved without buying the templating services, unlike our guest who decided she was better off without that frustration and just purchased the templating services herself.
1: Speaking of our guest,
0: that's Denisha Keating. Yeah, her new book, From Foster to PhD, is a diary about how she managed to make that journey uh, that only a small fractions of kids in the foster care system are able to complete. Denisha, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And I apologize. I should be saying Dr. Keating, as your book title makes clear.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm still, it's still that weird, like among friends, I'm like, please don't. But then, like, other people are like, oh, I'm like, I, it's, it's an honorable thing, but I don't understand the weight of it. Sometimes, like, I know from other people, like, well, I'm like, oh, you have to call them this. It's like Mr. and Mrs. But then for me, I'm like, oh, it feels weird. <laughs> it yeah. definitely feels weird.
0: <laughs> Well, uh, your book is kind of framed as a diary. So my first question is, are are these all written on those days? How much editing did you do to go back afterwards and develop? There
2: was very little editing to do. And mostly what it was, was making sure the year was right. But this, this was like from different journals from high school to now, which was kind of scary to open up on because there were feelings and emotions I never told anybody about. I just kind of hid them. So exposing that, I felt very exposed, (laughs) putting it together. And I was like, oh, I don't want to put this in there. And then I was like, no, like to keep the integrity of being raw and honest with other kids that are in the foster care system, it was really important to put every single entry in there. And I think just to kind of highlight, like, you're not the only one who feels that way. You're not alone. And it's okay that you feel these emotions. So each, each one of those, there was very minimal editing. It was usually just to find the date if I missed the date on there, because sometimes I didn't write that at the top. Um, and I was like, OK, let me go look at this. But Facebook also helped because of memories. <laughs> and there were some things that I was like, oh, yeah, that was around the same time.
0: <laughs> so that was fun. So one of your entries that I found really intriguing was regarding the memoir, The Glass Castle. That you were assigned to write a letter to the author and included that in your book in its entirety. So is that kind of the seed for this book? Uh, Did you imagine that someday you'd be publishing your own story?
2: Uh, No, (laughs) but so The Glass Castle is actually funny. I sent the book to that professor who had us read it. I always thought he read the assignments And he goes, no, 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 I just mailed them off because it was personal between you and the author. And he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to be the parent who read your diary, basically. So he actually had just said, like, I had no idea if I, I wish I had known because I would have helped. But he was just a great professor. But what the book did... I didn't think back then, like, oh, I'm going to write a book just like her. I did think like, oh, it'd be cool. But I'm just like, that means I have to like my story isn't as bad. You know, I kept saying that to myself. My story isn't as bad. My story isn't as crazy. No one would care about my story. But then years later of, you know, talking to myself in the car (laughs) and encouraging myself that way, I decided that it was too important to see more foster care voices out there if you Google on Amazon or if you go to any bookstore and look up foster care stories, it's usually something that ties you back to foster care parents and how to help them through the process. But there isn't a lot of foster care success stories. There might be a couple where it's like, My journey through foster care, but it wasn't really, it was more of just journaling out what happened with them, but not like, Hey, yeah. Like going to success, like getting out of where you were and becoming a different person than where you grew up. And like separating yourself from that lifestyle. There wasn't a lot of those. And so I was like, okay, I need to do something that's encouraging versus just here's all of the the trauma that I went through because that will re-traumatize other people. So I tried to stay away from that kind of stuff. So there was some of the stuff edited out was like the details of abuse because I realized readers didn't need to know that. But also, too, like if I was thinking if I was that little girl reading it again as at 13 or 14 years old, it would have just made it harder to read and I would have put it down. So there, those were some of the things that were like, that's not needed in there just because we need it to be straight to the point. People know you go to foster care because of that kind of abuse. And here we are. So it, it did stem more hope when I read Glass Castle. Like, hey, someone out there is just like me uh, with a crazy story. and. They're not all just perfect people (laughs) because you look at your friends and you think you're perfect. You have nothing going on. Um, And I didn't know anyone else who had gone through what I went through. So when you start to meet people, you're like, oh, you get it. (laughs) You get it fully. And most most people won't understand that. Um, And most foster care kids don't talk about it. Even as adults, they're just like, that was my past life. I don't discuss it because it's hard. So that glass castle really kind of just. It was a different type of book that you read in class. So that that's where I think I gravitated toward the story. But finding that letter, that the rough draft, I was like, oh, oh well, yeah, there it is. <laughs> so it was good.
1: I really love what you were saying there about like not wanting to put too much of the details of the abuse, but. The reality is that that is a huge amount of emotional challenges that foster kids go through. And I'm curious, because in your book, there's a beautiful job describing that. But I'm curious, how do you feel like support programs give the right resources to kids? Do you feel like there's enough funding? How did you get? support for your mental health? I'm really curious about that.
2: So um, when I went to college, there were no support programs available. They had just started kind of California where I live, started putting like implementing certain uh, amount of funding every year for specific programs. And so what they said was we'll create like 20 or so Foster care programs at colleges. Um, now, within California, every community college has a designated person for foster care. And then there, I think there's like 80 something actual support programs at these colleges. Their funding is still needed. <laughs> it's year by year funding, which is really hard because basically you're running through this year. You don't know if you have funding for next year. You have to wait for the state to come out and say, yes, we're still funding this. You have the right numbers, you have the right success rates. Here's more money or here's no money at all. So some colleges have actually decided to put that funding within their budget while others are saying we just can't do that, which is hard because there's there's a lot of a lot of things happening in that arena. But they do try to help students emotionally by sending and helping them get connected to counselors On campus, every school has a mental health facility or a health office that a student can go to to get counseling. And I think it's, you know, some schools, it's four sessions a semester, others, it's six sessions in a semester. But what they have seen with foster care kids is that, you know, they exceed the six, but also the information that they're sharing is really deep. And most of these colleges have shared that the people who are counseling them are usually students doing their master's programs. So they're not qualified to walk them through trauma. That was something I, like at my school, they had, you know, you could go and do physician primary care stuff, getting what you need to kind of get. But then they'd say, hey, this is the where we cap off. You have to go see a doctor. They didn't have mental health at that point. So I did have to pay out of pocket. So I'd always try to find through my church, like the cheapest one I could find. And then you go for a couple of weeks and then you don't have money, so you can't go anymore. So it really relied on like getting as much as I could from a session so that I could take what I could going forward and just apply it. And then I started studying psychology. So that kind of helped, but you can't process (laughs) alone. So you think you're like, yeah, I know I can do this. And you're like, you can't process these things alone. So it is such a benefit to have someone who can walk alongside of you who can say, okay, try this, try that, try this. In high school, um, one of the counselors that I met with was like, you should journal out what you're feeling. Cause she's like, you have, cause I had said like, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. I I usually get stuck and I shut down when people are getting angry and I just don't know what to say. And then I get angry and then I start being mean, but I'm not saying what I want to say. So she's like, journal out what you're feeling and thinking, process that and then have a conversation with someone. And I'm like, okay. Another counselor that I went to years later was like, yes, do that. That is such a great way to process what you're feeling. So that's actually how the book started was those journals. But these programs are around the counties. Some counties have mental health um, connections that they can connect students with and foster youth with, but you have to be enrolled in the program to do that. So if you're over the age of 18 or 21, you typically lose all those services and you're kind of SOL on your own. Um, Which is really hard because you're just like, okay, I'm fine, I'll figure it out. But you really don't know how to at 18, 19, 20 years old. It's a hit or miss. It's hard. You have to do a lot of looking yourself, and I think that's why a lot of a lot of people give up already. It's a hard process to do alone. To say yes, I need to go see a counselor, and then you have to find someone, and hopefully they're good and they're in budget. And if they're not, that it gets kind of one of those things that it's either food or counseling. And that's kind of where I've been in before where it's, I, I get to eat today or I go to my counseling session, but there are, you know, there are counselors out there who will meet your budget. So that's always a good plug to know, but then there's county resources you can tap into as well. And then there's, if you're in school, tap into your, your university or college counselors.
0: Great advice. Uh, so I'm curious how your feelings personally have evolved over the years about child protection services. It seems like uh I would imagine real early on, it, it kind of exists as a, a boogeyman in your life that, you know, yeah. been threatened with these people coming, uh, see, uh, what they can do and how they can disrupt your life. But now it sounds like, uh, you have some, uh, experience working with them in your professional life as well.
2: Yeah. It's, it's hard. Cause you do when you, when you're hit with foster care or CPS, you're kind of like, oh, you're the, you're mean, evil person. Now what you do recognize that there are some good people out there and some bad people out there. And unfortunately, some of us will have bad CPS workers and people who just don't care. It's really hard to be a child in the CPS system because of the fact that your voice is hardly ever heard. It's all about making, you know, the family reunified for who the parents, not really the child. Uh, When we look at it in reality, like the goal is to, to make sure the child is safe. However, who is proving that to the system? The parent is. So sometimes you have a parent who's able to manipulate and to show kind of that they can do whatever they want (laughs) by being nice and, and getting good with your CPS worker. And that was my parents. My parents were really good at that. So I recognized early on, I'm like, yeah, there's some really great CPS workers and some not so great ones, but also my parents are really good at manipulating people. So, you know, they can make someone who is investigating them go to be their best friend and then they're having lunch with them. Super weird to me because I'm just like, how do you do that? You know, it's just not good. Um, you should be fighting for your kids, not for relationships with people in high places. As I've grown older, <laughs> I realize a lot of friends who have gone into being a CPS worker or being a therapist or a teacher. I realize there's still a lot of good people out there, but I realize the system is still very broken because it is a system that is very complex. So now... Now in my 30s, I'm like, I'm gonna go back and start helping them just understand what it's like as a foster care kid, as an educator where we see it on the education side. And from my research perspective of like, here's the statistics, like how do we continue to impact this positively? And then um, hearing how they're doing things because then I can help maybe speak into it of like, hey, that actually is something I experienced. that's not good. How do we highlight other foster care students in the system now? What are some things that we need to be aware of? Uh, one of the biggest things that's kind of starting to shift over is that they used to have when they picked up a child, they would grab a trash bag or a grocery sack, whatever was in the family home. And they would say, hey, you have a time limit. This is how much you need to you, you got to grab whatever you can grab, but then we got to go. So a lot of counties have been fighting against that because they're like, you don't want a child to think they're trash. And when you have a trash bag, that's what it is. Um, and foster care homes would throw the bag away. So it's like, no, 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 like, this is the stuff that they're bringing, you know, just help them, you know, wash it, whatever. So now counties are starting to ask for suitcases and duffel bags. So that way they have those in the car with them versus whatever's in the family home. Uh, when most of these kids are taken, they're in poverty level, they're, they're in neglect status. They're not going to have this duffel bag or backpack to fill with their stuff in it. So counties are starting to recognize the little things that matter. And it's not always about the big things. So I'm seeing that where I'm like, oh, you actually care. It has changed my perspective of like, y'all suck to like, oh, just some of you might not be the best. And some of you really do care and you love these kids and you're here for a reason. And it's not to destroy families. It's to really protect that child. So it has shifted. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that is like highlighting some really important aspects, you know, like just the experience with the child. You have the ability to just change one thing about the Mm -hmm. system to improve for the kids. What would
2: that be? I think just continued support. I think one of the big things they're also right now doing, which I think is great, is that so cops are also one of those not so great presences with foster care kids because usually they're the ones picking them up with the CPS workers. And so what they have done is like around the holidays, they'll have the police come with them shopping. And so it's like, wow, that's in <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that, but just to continue to listen to the children's voices, I think is really important. What are the kids wanting? Sometimes the reunification of the parent and the child is more important in the CPSIs versus the child's safety. So some kids are consistently put back with their family and then taken away. So that's really hard to watch. I've had that happen myself and it really is damaging. Sometimes you're just like, look, you know how bad the parent is, you know that they're neglectful. You see that they're following the rules, but then the kid gets back and three months later, you're picking them back up to take back to a foster home. And that just is, is disruptive for children. I think the biggest thing also is education, is that their education gets disruptive. They say that it's about the average time in foster care is eight years. Um, and then when it comes to how many homes that that child's in, it could be anywhere between an average of four to 12 times before they age out of the system. Some kids it's higher. If you ask one, like I was talking to a foster parent this weekend and she said her child had been in for in, in 18 months, since the baby was born to the 18 months had been in 15 different foster homes. So that's really hard because you hear that and you're like, but then when you're in middle school and elementary and high school, getting disrupted in your education that many times, you don't get your education foundation. And then they go to college and they struggle because they're just like, I didn't have all of my math. I didn't have all of my English. I didn't have all of my sciences. And now I'm struggling in college. So I think if we can continue to like figure out how to not disrupt how um, these children's lives as much, it's a lot better for them. But it's when you hear the statistics and you hear this stuff, you're just like, Ugh, oh, this is heartbreaking. And, and you want to do more. Um, and then the last thing I would say is not to make the statistics a barrier for students and for foster care, but actually like a positive, like, you know, yes, 50% of high schoolers in the United States that are foster care are not going to graduate. You're among the 50% that does and did and can. Let's, Let's figure out how to help you. But a lot of the times these numbers are presented and it just distinguishes hope. And you're just like... Oh where's the hope in this? and And it discourages so many students and foster parents from trying. and I think that's something we can do a lot better on.
0: So you had this diary, uh, I guess for a few years, you had it, you know, unpublished. How did you end <laughs> up deciding to publish with book baby?
2: So that was a that was actually a process because of the fact that I had originally used Amazon printing services and I got the book back and I was just like, this isn't what I want. It was great for that first book I did. But for this one, I was like, I want it to look more professional. And so I was looking at price and distribution. How did that go? out? I didn't want just books. <laughs> like, I wanted it to get into, you know, on Amazon and get into other books and book re- retailers and stuff like that. So when I was looking, BookBaby was the only one who offered both and it wasn't super expensive. Other places were offering like, oh, you can go meet these people and you can go and do this and that. And I'm like, I don't want all of that. I don't want to go to New York and then have to pay all of this money. Like I just want to print the book and then get it out there. And then when I'm ready to take it to the next level, I guess, then I can consider like going to New York and pitching the book to somebody. But that was how, you know, price was a really big factor, how many people it would get out to, how many retailer stores it'll show up on, because it just brings more awareness to it. And I think that that was that was how I found it. And I was like, Oh, book, baby. Okay. What is this? And then I looked into it and I was, it was everything I was looking for.
0: So you didn't use this for cover design, huh? no, but I noticed <laughs> you did purchase templating, which I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast. before.
2: Yay, <laughs>
0: so I was just going to ask, uh, you know Why did you purchase that? You know, how did you get your cover designed? And uh, why, why was this the service that worked for you?
2: So my little sister actually drew the cover of From Foster to PhD, and so I didn't want anyone messing with it. So when I asked, I was like, I already have the art design. I don't need anyone to do that, but I need to make sure it fits on the book and it looks good because when you kind of stretch out an image, um, it's too much. And so when they they were like, oh, here's the templating service and, you know, fit it onto this. And I had some trouble with it. So I was like, I can't figure it out. And they walked me through there. I, here's another video. If we need to call you, let us know. But I was able to do the book, business cards, and the bookmarks, and they all turned out really, really good. So I, I loved that it was that easy, just to like, here's the template already for you. You're not trying to figure this out on your own. And then if it isn't working, we'll send it back before fully printing it, so you can make sure that it looks good to you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so what we pride ourselves on being able to fit any author's <laughs> need, even if they don't need our uh, our more yeah. deluxe services. So for such a, a personal story. I'm curious if you've allowed members of your family or friends to read this and what the reaction has been.
2: Um, Several family will not read it (laughs) because it's just, it kind of triggers back to old life stuff and Mm. that's hard. They, there's tons of friends who actually have gotten it and other family members who have, and they've read it, you know, family, usually it's like, yeah, I knew, I knew what happened, but I didn't know how you felt. And so seeing that was new for them. But then there were other people who were like, I knew something went on like i knew you had a trouble not a trouble they they're like i knew you were a rough person and like you had a rough life but i didn't know exactly what it was and so they're just like this is amazing to see that you were vulnerable in that but also like the big thing was a lot of people were like i liked seeing your spelling go from like a high school spelling to like at the end of the book it was like okay she's also improved in her spelling (laughs) and i thought that was kind of funny they're like did you do that on purpose i was like no it was just the journal stuff i just didn't spell check it because it's a part of it (laughs) like you don't spell teacher right that was why i was asked about anything early on (laughs) (laughs) i know and they were like are you sure and i was like yeah they're like there's some and i was like i know i know (laughs) But they were really like, when I said, it's actually a part of just because it's old journals and like, I want people to see that it's not just an emotional progression. It's academic as well. And they were like, oh, okay, we won't mess with it. And it was very, it was just understood and which was really nice. Yeah. And it kind of, it's like someone else was like, hey, did you mean? And I was like, yeah. And then they started reading along and they're like, oh, like I see that in this one chapter, it's spelled six different ways. And I'm like, I have dyslexia. And that's something I talk about within this book is that When I found that out, like I couldn't figure out why, like I would look at that and think it was right, but then realizing like, oh, it's not right. (laughs) Like, that's not how you spell that. And I still struggle with it today. So it's, it's actually kind of funny that looking back on it, I had to be very careful because I almost started spelling the same words wrong again. And I was like, oh, that's not the right one. (laughs) Thank, thank the Lord for spell check. (laughs) That is my friend.
0: (laughs) So how are you going about promoting this book then?
2: so it's kind of all over, but in a great way. So I've been working with the support programs at the community colleges here in California, just promoting the book itself and just saying, Hey, you know, bring her in as a guest speaker to talk to foster care kids. And in that we've been selling the books. So I think we're around 500 books sold, but before May, it was like less than hundred. <laughs> so it really helps when you just take the chance and the leap of faith of like, Let me just email this out to people. Let me post it on social media. I'm still trying to figure out the social media game because that's hard, but I'm seeing more direct. Like if your story aligns with a specific group of people, start emailing people in that, that field so that they can see the story so that they can promote the story. But we're being able to really push that forward through the support programs and they're they're giving it to foster care kids, which is like my only hope is that more yeah. foster care kids can see this story and be like, oh, this person understands me a little bit more than I would have expected.
0: Awesome. So you, uh, spoke off air about having some difficulties with TikTok. Tell us about
2: that. Ugh, TikTok, i don't know the <laughs> algorithms it's hard. Social media hard. <laughs> i think social media is hard because you just don't know what to post and then you don't know how to get people to view it like one video i posted was it had like a song attached to it and then so i was like oh that that kind of had a lot of views so i went and did the same thing with another song but that song i don't think is as popular It's a whole thing. I just don't understand it. So it's a whole algorithm thing, but there's people out there who can help you. I just haven't invested in that part yet. (laughs) I should, I just don't know who the right person is that you want to really know, you're getting someone
1: who knows what they're doing. Yeah, no, it can be a wild game out there with social media. But like you said, just you keep putting yourself out there. Keep trying what works, what doesn't. Curious to know, like, what's next for you and um, all your book endeavors.
2: So uh, there's lots of stuff that I'm thinking through, but really just talking to more programs. I've actually so it's actually really cool. Because this year we have 33 events lined up to talk to foster care programs, parents, and staff and faculty at colleges. Just to share my story, but also my my dissertation research I did, which is how I finished my degree. Very long paper, if you don't know what it is. But talking to them and then more people are bringing me in in the fall to talk to the students as well, because it's just going to be an ongoing thing. The next book I'm thinking through is actually highlighting foster care voices of other people. And it's basically would be foster to blank, where they get to fill in the blank of what they felt was their success or what they felt that they did well on. Because I really believe we're not all going to have the same story. But what's neat is that uh, it all can be celebrated the same way. You know, if, if a foster care kid gets their driver's license, that's actually a big win. Most people are like, that's not a big deal. And I'm like, it is for foster care, getting their their car by themselves, getting a job, going and maybe being a cosmetologist and or a welder that that was just as successful as getting a PhD. So I wanna highlight their voices just to say like, hey, here's more people out there and the success looks different, but it's all on the same level. Um, so that that's kind of what's next.
0: All right. Thanks again to Dr. Keating for her time. Jazz, you know what I'm wondering. How would you promote that book?
1: Definitely through social media, by telling her story, sharing commonalities like she did in this interview with the public. And then she can lead into talking about her book. That's a great way to
0: self-promote. Yeah. One thing I noticed was that she's enrolled in KDP Select. Yeah. Describe that more in detail for our listeners out there. Good call. So uh, KDP is Amazon's self-publishing platform. Uh, KDP Select, or sometimes we call it Kindle Select, is an option where you're signing your book up, uh, which adds you to this program. You're allowed to run a countdown deal and a free ebook uh, once you're enrolled. Okay, cool. Are there any drawbacks to that? Yeah, so the main one is that you are granting Amazon exclusive access to the ebook for that 90-day enrollment period. So you're only allowed there, but you do get to run some cool deals.
1: Okay, that is a great way to promote for our indie authors
0: out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and they can choose that option in the Project Center when submitting their book through BookBaby. We'll manage that for you. You can schedule your promotions right in your BookBaby account. Or alternatively, the uh, client can sign up via their own KDP account. Choose no ebook partners when checking out with us, and submit the file that we convert uh, for them directly on their own KDP account. So when you're done and want to distribute the ebook more widely, just shoot us an email, and we'll add the other distribution partners on. And this is only for the ebook, so your POD print-on-demand distribution would not be affected either way.
1: Very cool, book baby. As always, trying to be the one-stop shop for all of your publishing needs. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get out of here, any book recommendations? What are you reading? Right now, it's The Mount Is You by Brianna West. It's a great self-help and development book. You?
0: Yeah, I just finished Down and Out in Paris in London by George Orwell. Uh, it was really cool seeing some of his earlier work. I'd only ever read 1984, An Animal Farm. And Rebecca Solnit, uh, she inspired me to dig into some of his older books with her book, Orwell's Roses, where she deconstructs the importance of gardening and roses in particular in his life and in his works
1: very cool very detailed
0: so i think that's uh, all we wanted to get to today huge thanks goes out to dr denisha keating her book from foster to phd is available in the book baby bookshop right now that's store.bookbaby.com if you're interested in publishing your book with BookBaby, we want to hear from you info at bookbaby.com or call us at 877-961-6878 And we'll be back next month with more stories from the world of self-publishing. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, and rate the Book Baby Spotlight on your podcast and platform of choice. And until next time, stay safe, everyone.